0: Welcome to the Authentic Life Podcast. I am your host, Selena Bournes, founder of the Authentic Life Academy. Each week, we provide you with strategies, tips, and encouragement about pursuing life's passions, embodying the confident version of yourself, and overcoming obstacles to living authentically so you can attract success and be the boss in all areas of your life. Uh, Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Authentic Life Podcast. Today, our guest is Miss Erica Fulton. She is the CEO of The Calm Corner. Erica is also a first-generation entrepreneur and a first-generation pastor who is passionate about grief and its impact on us as a human race and the nation. Her purpose is to nurture post traumatic growth and assist individuals with the tools they need to facilitate healthy grieving. Hi, Erica. How are you?
1: I'm blessed. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Listen, I have heard your journey, but please share your journey with our listeners and explain to us how your journey helped you step into your authenticity as a woman.
1: Journey started way before. February 12th of 2007 um, I believe my my journey started um, I, I would go back to the age 15, 17 that's when I became a believer that's when I became gave my life to Christ and for me that set the stage for what would come into my life later on and mm-hmm. one of the things is the death of my late husband which it had an extremely tremendous impact on me. We were married for almost four years, and our marriage was, you know, it, it was not perfect. You no know, marriage is. You have to work at it. it. It's work. But and we had our we had our rough patches that we worked through. But when he died, it, it was so, it felt like somebody took a mirror and dropped it. And there were all these broken pieces. And I was looking at them trying to figure, you know, you, how do you put a broken mirror back together? And in my journey, I learned it wasn't about putting the broken, not, not so much about putting the broken mirror back together, but I believe it was about birthing something new, out of
0: it well what i understand is that this experience caused you to do a lot of self-reflection oh yes
1: i i had to (laughs) i had to because one of the things it did was it was like a jolt in my identity and Mm -hmm. as women we tend to always say when people say who are you we say i'm the daughter of i'm the wife of i'm the sister of but we are very relational and that's how we gain our identity. So for him to die, I couldn't say I'm the wife. I had to go away. I am, I'm a widow. So for me, I had to, it, it was almost like God put me in a place where I had to rediscover who I was within him and who I had to discover who I was as a woman. And that was a scary place for me. And for a while, I was angry and I fought it, and it was like I didn't ask for this journey. I don't want this journey. The journey I wanted was to have a marriage. You know, say I've been married twenty years and we sitting on the porch with our grandkids. I didn't ask for this journey of pain and heartache and crying and, and, and even not. Some days it wasn't even my prayers were not words. I would just kneel down and I would cry. I would just be like, God, I'm I'm like really hurting right now. And I don't even have the words to articulate to you how much in pain I feel, especially when people will go. Well, I've been married 20 years and I just I wouldn't say it out loud, but in my head, I'm going if they say that one more time. <laughs> it was like I feel like I said can you please be quiet because I don't care and it, it wasn't it wasn't because I want to be rude I was just mad I was exactly. just exactly like, this is like yeah. salt in the wound I was like come on God really really you know right, I, and, right. <laughs> and in my book Empower um, I wrote about that I wrote about that um, but I also wrote about another rough patch that rough patch I went through in my marriage which that that took some reflection from me um, Wow, it was their yeah, fidelity and wow. when you deal with that I mean especially as a woman you can begin to feel like what did I do wrong am I not desirable mm-hmm. enough you know that, that it, there's so much layers in stripping and just going through that And then we get into this really good place and we're healed. And all of a sudden, he just dies. And I'm like, oh, okay, God. Mm -hmm. I I don't see the beauty in my grief right now. Exactly. And for for a while, I would say, unfortunately, you know, there there were times I would, you know, we try to medicate ourselves sometimes. We try and do it with food. Sometimes we try to do it with other relationships and none of that stuff ever works. Because when it's all said and done, you still have to deal with that internal world that you're trying to run away from. And you can't run away from the inner world. I don't care how much you try. We can run away from everybody except ourselves.
0: Exactly. Now, we all go through periods of self-reflection and, you know, to make more sense of a particular experience in our lives, like in your instance, which was a very critical, disorienting experience. Um, and that helps us develop a better understanding of ourselves. Right. Now, I remember reading um, where you, you said that, you know, your, your grief was considered a gift. Can you can you expound? Yes. On that?
1: Now, now I can look at my grief as a gift because it was a place where I believe God was birthing empathy in me Mm. where he was using my pain and I didn't even realize that was going to become my place in ministry and when this happened you know I I wasn't in school for counseling Mm. I didn't realize later down the road that would play a very important part you know in in my in my counseling even as when I did my chaplain training um, at uh, at Memorial Herndon for a year, and oddly enough, when I was doing my training in the middle of that, my grandmother starts getting sick and dies. So yeah. <laughs> I get you know, I'm kind of like, oh, oh, you know, it, it was almost that familiar place of okay, God, I know one day I'll be able to make meaning of this. And mind you, where I'm working at is level one trauma. Mm-hmm. So I buried her and I had to go back to work the following week. My grief was a gift because my grief uh, allowed me to develop a deeper sense of empathy. And then anytime you're in a helping profession, chaplaincy, counseling, a, a ministry, to work with people, you have to have empathy. You, you have to be able to sit with them and resist the urge to try to fix them. Mm-hmm. And it can be a very common temptation. So my gift was a grief in one way, it was developing empathy in me. And I believe the other gift it gave me was it gave me an opportunity to shed some old parts of me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like that scripture reference where Jesus says, you can't pour old wine into new wine skins. And so I believe God was preparing me for a a new place. And so the grief was a way of him stripping away some of those, some of the mindsets that would, would not serve me going forward. But I believe the true gift was learning how to not waste my pain.
0: Right. So I think it's like your experiences, they built you up for what you're doing now. You're a source of strength, a source of strength for other people that are going through seasons of struggle, hardship and disappointments. Right.
1: Yes. 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 Exactly.
0: Okay, I read where you stated uh, vulnerability leaves room for self-reflection and self-reflection leaves room for growth let's talk a little bit about how being vulnerable is a great source of strength
1: yes yes being vulnerable because when you are vulnerable you can take your mask off mm-hmm. and, and and being vulnerable I, I like the analogy I like to use is you have a bag with a bunch of bricks in it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and being vulnerable allows allows you to unload your bricks and that allows you to travel a lot lighter
0: mm.
1: and so that's why I say that That, and that's one of the things even within my, my chaplain training that they taught us about being able to be vulnerable and being able to be uh, vulnerable with, with other people I mean the clients I have now the clients I have now most of my teenagers but a lot of them been through a lot of trauma and a lot of grief and a lot of their mm-hmm. homes were just very uh, chaotic very mm-hmm. dysfunctional so to be able to sit with that kind of population you have to have a lot of empathy mm-hmm. and you have to have I-, I would say that you really have to be able to find a way to connect and so sometimes when it's appropriate I may use some of my experiences on my own pain on my own hardship as a way to validate you know that could be really difficult to lose the only person that that resembled a, a stable authority in your life or that was like a a, a mom or a dad mm-hmm. but I, I believe there's so much so much power and vulnerability because then you know we we get to be human and we don't demonize ourselves for it.
0: Exactly. And it's all about self-awareness, you know, having that solid understanding about who you are yes. and also self-care and yes. being in in the here and now. Yes. And I know that uh, some of the work that you do with the calm corner, right? It doesn't yes. it, isn't that about self-care?
1: Yes, it's about self-care. Um it is about being refreshed, being renewed. And in a calm corner, it it, it's not just a physical place. A calm corner can be a hobby, an activity. A calm corn for for, some some people, a calm corner may be them going and taking a a hot bubble bath and listening to worship music. For some people a calm corner might be painting. For some people their calm corner might be their prayer closet where they can just let mm-hmm. it all out and scream and yell and, mm-hmm. because it gives them a release. And so the calm corner is also about finding a way to have a healthy release. Um, and I believe it's so important in light of we're dealing with COVID-19. We are dealing mm-hmm. with George Floyd. We are dealing with the nation um, that there's so much anger, there's there's so much grief, there's so much tension, and to help people find a place where they can release it in a way that it's not causing harm to themselves or to another person. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So let's let's go a little bit deeper into the calm corner. Explain how having a calm corner, which you you said is not necessarily a place, um, but how having a calm corner. Uh, Can play a part in getting to know your authentic self better?
1: The calm core, I believe having a calm corner can enable you to know your authentic self better because it allows you to become more acquainted with your own blind spots, Mm -hmm. but to become acquainted in a way that's not judgmental and harsh. Because Mm -hmm. when you can do that, then you are able to hold space for other people. But if you don't know how to love self, if you don't know how to be kind to self, that's going to be extremely difficult. You can't right. give what you don't have. If I don't have $25, I can't give it to you. I can't.
0: Right. I don't have it. I don't have the Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you can't give what you don't have. <laughs> you can. Exactly. <laughs> Most definitely. Okay. All right, Erica. So wow. This is amazing. So, Please let our listeners know how they can reach you and also let us know what services you offer.
1: Okay, well, they can reach me at the, uh, at the calmcorner.org at outlook.com. That's my email. My Instagram is authorericafulton. Um, I have another email, uh, erica.denisemariaoutlook.com. That's another way to reach me. They can go to the website, thecomcorner.org, and there is a, a space on there where they can fill out a form. And I'm coming out with another project that I'm excited about.
0: And what is that?
1: It's a book collaboration called Stepping mm-hmm. Into Your Territory. And uh, for me, it is about awakening. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about awakening. It's about me going from pain to purpose and I'm not going to you know, tell uh, all of it. I give a, I give a right. little sneak peek, <laughs> but, but in it, but in it, I take, I take a combination of my three grief journeys
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I talk about how they awaken me. Every one of them, there was a form of an awakening in who mm-hmm. I was. And where God was shifting me, and how He was shifting me, and in each of those journeys, it, it was just it awakened me, and it made me look at the world not not in a bad way, but just very different.
0: And you said that that this is going to be a collaborative uh, project. Yeah, it's
1: a it's a book collaboration. There there are probably seven or eight other ladies mm-hmm. uh, with me. I'm very excited. I have a I have two more coming out after that.
0: Oh, awesome. Um,
1: one is my other one is step into your power. Now mm-hmm. I'm doing pre-orders with that and people can uh, pre-order if they okay. want to email me at that, the dot at outlook.com.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: They can also do that if they want to do pre-order. It is a, a, it's the journal and the book. The bundle is like 50 because you get the book and the journal. And, and, and again, that's another collaboration project. So I'm excited about those that are coming out. I'm excited that I'm in year two of my doctorate program.
0: (laughs) So wow. We um, have a lot going on. So how do you juggle all of that? What tips can you offer to other women that are doing the same thing? Because I know, you know, that's all part of the authentic journey as well, is just, you know, getting to know yourself, being able to prioritize. Um, your life and uh, maintain a healthy schedule. So, how do you how do you juggle everything? Well, one of
1: the things I do, I love my passion planner because I'm visual. The first thing mm-hmm. I would say is you have to know what kind of learner you are. For me, I have to put timers in my phone. Uh, well, that's one thing. The other thing for me is prayer, meditation, worship. I have one particular song called "Something Has to Break." That I go in my prayer closet and I put my phone on silent. Mm-hmm. If somebody calls, during that time I'm not going to answer. <laughs> but I but I believe, you know, some people like board games, some people like mm-hmm. swimming. I, I, I'm also <laughs> a poetry writer. I mm-hmm. sometimes I pour my heart out in poetry. Um, I'm actually yeah, it, working on that project with it's it's all stable. about <laughs>
0: All about prioritizing self that all goes yes. hand in hand with that self-care, right? Yeah,
1: you you have to. And and the deeper I get into my I call it my calling. I don't look at mm-hmm. what I do as a counselor, just as a job, as a calling, as a ministry. It's an extension of my ministry as a pastor. It's the mm-hmm. extension of my ministry as an intercessor. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that I love to be able to do is connect the spiritual and the clinical dimensions of what people deal with when they go through grief and when they go through trauma. Cause I believe sometimes people, they, they, they unconsciously, you know, may say, well, I shouldn't feel this way. You know, I shouldn't, Um, I shouldn't be sad. This person is with God. Yes, they're with God, but that does not negate the pain at the physical loss of the person. And that is not abnormal. So I'm big on normalizing emotions. I'm big on normalizing anger. I'm real big because it's the emotion in and of itself is not unhealthy. It's what you do with it that makes it destructive, not anger in and of itself.
0: Exactly. So what services do you offer?
1: I am what they call a licensed chemical dependency counselor. So I do substance abuse counseling. Um, I also offer pastoral counseling. Of, uh, within the under the umbrella of grief i am what they call a licensed professional counselor intern i'm supervised by robin exon he's mm-hmm. excellent supervisor very knowledgeable uh, i also if i'm available to speak at conferences and retreats i'm also available to do workshops on grief one of my one of my passions in my doctorate program my project is I wanna be able to maybe partner with some churches to do some form of grief workshops, mm-hmm. grief support groups mm-hmm. to to, oh, have, to help them build in some clinical supports because some churches don't expect, particularly African-American churches, sometimes right. smaller ones, because they don't have, they may not have the salary. They may not right. have the manpower. They may not right. have the knowledge
0: exactly the resources mm-hmm. and the
1: resources mm-hmm. so that's one of the other things I'm. it's in the works I'm just figuring the logistics of how to do that but mm-hmm. if pastors want to reach out to me I again they can email me at the calmcorner.org at outlook.com and I would love to speak with them and maybe come to that churches and say hey let, let's do a workshop on just talk mm-hmm. about common grief <laughs> reactions and exactly It will help people go, oh, I'm not crazy. I'm not Mm -hmm. losing my faith. I'm grieving.
0: Right, right. Okay, well, thank you so much, Erica, for joining us here on the Authentic Life Podcast. And, um... I'm so glad that you were able to share your information because it is very much needed at this time, especially dealing with grief is something that a lot of people have difficulty um, understanding. Like you, like you mentioned, you, you try to normalize it and help them understand that, that they're not crazy for feeling the way that they're feeling. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I would like to say thank you again. And just uh, remind our listeners that always be sure that you are being true To you.
1: Yes. Always be the authentic, be the original you were created to be rather than a carving copy.
0: Thank you so very much for listening. And if you enjoyed the Authentic Life podcast, please subscribe. To learn more about how you can be a part of our Authentic Life community, go to www.ladiescircleofsuccess.com. And you can also find us on Facebook at Ladies Circle of Success. I'm your host, Selena Bournes. And as always, remember to live your best authentic life because no one can do it better than you.